Hey, everybody. It's Tim. And it's Willie. Oh, man, we didn't even plan that. That's how good we are. No. We're, <laughs> let's, let's, we're pros. We're like of one mind now. Yes. Yes. We're all, we're, we're like the dead ringers themselves. We are, yes. Save for some very you, major differences. Are you, are you Elliot or are you Beverly? Um, I think, I, I guess, I guess I would be Beverly, right? Which one's Beverly? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Beverly is the more soft-spoken... Um, Mild-mannered one. Okay, maybe I'm Elliot. <laughs> Elliot, yeah, Elliot's a bit. I, Elliot's a bit more, a little grouchier. I think you're usually grouchier than me, right? I, I'm pretty. I can be pretty grouchy. Yeah. You're not really a grouch, but no. A lot of the time, it's an act. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> I think you can be a little saltier than me sometimes. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm pretty salty. I don't know. Maybe we have a little bit of each of them in us. And I think that's the point of dead ringers, right? That's right. Two halves <laughs> yes, of a whole. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Um. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, that's what we're talking about today. Yeah, we'll be talking about that in a little bit. Um, but we'll find some stuff to say about it because, oh boy. There's a lot going on what there. What a picture this was. What yeah. a way to end this summer of David Cronenberg. I've got things to say. Yeah. Yeah, Good. I've got things to say for sure. Uh, maybe some hot takes. I don't know. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, spicy. All right, good. Good. We'll get into it. Uh, first up, up top, I want to thank uh, Joe sent us a link. A, uh, I believe it's... Um, I think it was the Horror for Kids Twitter account mm. that shared this, and some people may have seen it if you are on Horror Twitter quite a bit, but it's a link to a, what was a Donald Pleasance narrated PSA. Drowning. Mention of, yeah, PSA. to keep the kids from over in England, I believe, from drowning in, what do they got over there? Cricks? Creeks? Cricks. Cricks over in England, I think that's what they're called, right? I don't know. Donnie Brooks? Donnie, yes, I think they're Donnie Brooks. <laughs> is, that, is that what it is? I think so, or that, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The only thing I've ever seen is the rivers over there, the the Big Thames River. What is a Donnybrook? Is that a, that's uh, a Donnybrook's brook. a fight? I thought. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I was I, thinking of like a brook. Isn't that a body of water? Yeah, it's a brook. I would a brook sounds like something the Brits would say. Yeah. Anyway, this is a very good uh, video. It worked on me. A very scary. I don't want to drown now. <laughs> I wasn't sure before, you know, but <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, so I um I was a camp counselor, um for uh, a summer and uh, loved it wonderful stuff but uh you know we had a lot of uh safety things to go over before the kids arrived and a lot of it had to do with uh swim safety obviously i mean that's that's probably the most dangerous thing at the camp really when you think about it. i mean there's an archery range and stuff but like that the, the lake is more dangerous i mean that's certainly more more swimming accidents happen than bow and arrow accidents um i'm sure so I don't have the statistics in front of me, but um, this would have been a good video to play for the children just before they got in the lake. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um uh, it's Donald Pleasance basically, yeah, scaring kids, telling them not to go in a river. It's it was so frightening, it gave children nightmares. I would imagine so. Then someone underneath shared a video. It just popped up. Uh, this kid, it says, but wait, there's more, and it's like these kids sitting around, and one of them just gets a he's on a power line. He's going up to get his kite, and the the power line just explodes. Oh my god. <laughs> Kills and kills the kids. So wow. that's to scare kids from getting their kites off of power lines too. So there, I don't know. I don't know what the Brits are doing over there. I mean, is it? I guess we could compare numbers. <laughs> we could take a look at you know power line related deaths and injuries versus. Uh, let's be specific and check and see how many people died from getting their kite out of a power line. I'll start digging around <laughs> because apparently this is enough of a problem over in Britain. <laughs> they had to warn these children. Do people fly kites anymore? Um, no, I, I have seen a while. Yeah, so I have a park over by by where I am, mm-hmm. and I have seen people. It has been a bit though, and every once in a while, I'll see them at, like if I ever go to the beach. Okay, kites are big at the beach. It's delightful. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention too is Steve reached out to us. Yes, and I I got about halfway through this message he sent us, and I went, "Oh man," because he said he said he had sent in a question for us to cover that was like all time great. Villainous actors. I think you probably remember. Oh this. Yes, yes, and it was um, revolved around Gary Oldman, the great time. villainous actor. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think you and I both said we go. Okay, we saw. I think we even said on the podcast, like Steve, we saw your message. We got it. 
we want to regroup and come back and like we want to dig into this. We didn't we felt we didn't have the time uh, to to really dig into it. So we said we saw it. We'll circle back to it. And then apparently we did it on a tiny tear and it popped up in Steve's mm. um, unplayed. So may everybody check your unplayed at a tiny tear. He because like a year later he's like they never talked about, that. <laughs> but we devoted plenty of time to it. And he wanted to he follow up and say thank you for that. And yes. also that um, I believe you said eighties James Spader would be a great. Uh, person to call one of the great villainous actors. Of oh, yes. So. Yeah, he was great at that. Uh, Less Than Zero, Pretty in Pink, Spader, he knows what's up. He has it in spades. <laughs> Spader would have worked well with Cronenberg, I think. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. he would. Um, oh, wait, he did. <laughs> he did in uh, Crash. Crash. Yep. Well, there you go. There you go. Yes, he did. Might as well um, be a casting director, yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, real quick, uh, one thing I, th- I, be- I don't believe we talked about this on the show was uh, the tweet that uh, front of the show, John shared. Okay. Uh, with response from Jordan Peele. Yeah. We wanted to talk about this. We have not talked about this. Let's not get too crazy. It'd be hard not to. But like you and I had a text conversation about this tweet. And the tweet was, I know this is a hot take, but at what point do we declare Jordan Peele the best horror director of all time? Can you think of another horror director that had three great films, let alone three in a row? I can't. And Jordan Peele's response was, sir... Please put the phone down, I beg of you. He was very kind afterwards and tweeted again, saying, like, thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. But you and I had some interesting text conversation about it, and whether or not that guy might not be as far off as you would think when you yeah. really do the research on how many consecutive quality movies even the greats have put out. Yes. So I, I don't know if you want to, like, at some point devote a whole episode to talking about this subject. This, yeah, I think this might be a good segment at one point. Excellent. But I do want to say this. Everybody dunked on that guy. <laughs> And, and I wanted to at first, too. I'll yeah. be honest. Yeah. Because my initial I was Carpenter. What are you doing? Stop. Carpenter. Yes. And that was jo- jo- part of Jordan Peele's response was like, how dare you? <laughs> but I think even it almost seemed like Peele, like you said, circled back and rethought it. What You know what? It really is only Carpenter. Yeah. Because Carpenter did it twice. Yeah. I think the thing is you have to open it up. I, 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 I His tweet was worded a little weird. His tweet oh, specifically yeah. um, was regarding horror directors. Yes. And consecutive so, so can was, you think of another horror director that had three great films let alone three in a row i can't i can think of plenty that had three great films that's what it if was it was if, the three great films yeah, if, he, if he's yeah. ma- if this guy's making the argument that other no other horror directors had three great films he's out of his mind but when you do it three in a row it gets a little tougher consecutive is tricky yeah it it's gets a not tougher. as easy as you'd expect yeah and you can make the argument so i did see um i saw nope uh and i loved it yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard it's really great. It's awesome. Yeah, like, I've, I loved it. <laughs> I've heard the stuff with the children's show is really good stuff. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. But it's not, also, I'm going to say it's kind of not, I don't know. It's a horror-ish movie. It's horror adjacent in some ways. It's very 70s Spielberg. Yeah. Um, it's very science fiction, very Jaws, but Jaws is kind of a horror movie too. Um, but yeah, that's that's the thing. So I, I don't know if you want to qualify it as that, but um, yeah, even Peel, you can make an argument about, I think I mentioned um, Us. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's great yet, but we'll see. I think you also have to, there's some recency bias in that tweet too. But I do want to say this. Uh, he did say it was a hot take and I will give him credit. It was a hot take. Yeah. <laughs> some people go, some people do a hot take, and I'm like, it's not a hot a take. A hot take, something most people agree yeah. with. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You know what? Let's let's maybe put that on the docket Good. for one of these, Good. One of these I'd episodes. I'd like to dig into that. Me too, because I think that'll be fun. Yeah. So, um, yeah, not as easy as you think. Mm-mm. All right. Um, thank you for bringing that up. Of course. Are you ready to talk about Dead Ringers? I, I don't think I can ever truly be ready. <laughs> um, this all right. Is it. The final Cronenberg time machine sound, I think it's just a similar sound to all of the time machine sounds I've done for Cronenberg movies, which is kind of <laughs> weird squishy sounds. This was, this was released <laughs> September 23rd, 1988. Twin gynecologists take full advantage of the fact that nobody can tell them apart, but we do that until their relationship begins to deteriorate over a woman. That's the IMDb synopsis. This is not a plot-heavy movie. Um, no. This was the number one movie in America the week it came So out. sweet. <laughs> Let's start it, there. Yeah. It beat A Fish Called Wanda, Die Hard, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Number five was Cocktail. You cocktail fan? Um, okay, so it's been a long time since- Me too. It. My dad, my dad's a big Tom Cruise guy. 
um, mm. and he likes Tom Cruise movies, and he would watch Cocktail a lot. Whatever was on TV, yeah. a cocktail was it on. Didn't get turned off. <laughs> <laughs> you a cocktail guy? Ah, it's been too long. I'm kind of with you. I I want to say I remember thinking it was kind of fun, but so I think I liked it, but I don't. The thing with the risky business, like I always get them in my head sure, together: risky sure. business and cocktail. Color Risk- of Money, I kind of get weirdly thrown in there too. It's yeah. a different movie. I but- think it's young Tom Cruise and kind of like playing like a flashy playboy. Kind of a playboy. Yeah, yeah. risky business a little darker. Cocktail is kind of light and fluffy at times. Yeah, co- cocktail is kind of silly and fun for the most part. Risky Business is one of those movies where it's like Saturday Night Fever, where like on the surface it's kind of goofy and silly and ridiculous, but then like when you really sit down and watch, you're like, oh shit, like, yeah, there's some stuff going on here, right? Yeah, um, yeah, cocktail, cocktail was um, Bermuda. That's the Beach Boys song, mm-hmm. right? Bahamas with John Stamos on the drums. Kokomo, the video. Yeah. Kokomo, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They played it on Full House a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> he played with um, uh, when I lived up north, they had a big the fair. Up there, and he played with the Beach Boys up there. Ah. Yeah. John Stamos, current voice of Iron Man in the animated Marvel stuff. Is there, are there animated Marvel There's animated Marvel stuff going on? There's a Spider Man show, I think. Is that the kids' one? Like the really kiddie one? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, I've seen seen bits of that. Yeah, I think he's Iron Man on that. Oh, that's cool. Good for John. Good for John. Still working. Um, Yeah, the number one song in America, by the way, was from (laughs) Kokomo? Yeah, Don't Worry, Be Happy from, from. which is so the number one movie in America was Dead Ringers. The number one song in America was Don't Worry, Be Happy. Well, it's 88, and we're in a weird. The last two years of any decade and the first two years of any decade are weird. Yes. It's those transitional. We haven't fully found out what the decade is going to be yet. Um, and so, yeah, 88's. We're, we're in a weird transition. Strangely enough, neither one of the things. The song or the movie that were in the top here would be representative of as a whole the '80s or of the '90s. So yeah, yeah, kind of strange. Don't worry, be that's the yeah, uh, no. video. Robin Williams, I think, is in that video, right? Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love Robin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so this is written and directed by Cronenberg. Mm-hmm. There's a co-writer, Norman Snyder, who did. Uh, he has like a weird filmography, if I remember. It's a lot of like cheesy, like. B level stuff other than this, which kind of makes it like he did a oh yeah, he did Call Me the Rise and Fall of Heidi Fleiss and he did Rated X, which was that Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez movie about like brother pornographer directors or something. Oh. <laughs> uh he also wrote the wrote the screenplay for body parts. So um, He's got a weird thing with yeah. brothers being involved in salacious <laughs> yes. Anybody checked on him? <laughs> uh, and then before we get into our thoughts, uh, starring uh, it's Jeremy Irons, real quick. Um, of course, Alfred from Zack Snyder's Justice League. Hey, let's let's not forget his greatest credit: Mage Profion in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, you're a big Dungeons and Dragons guy, right? <laughs> no, I'm just a big fan of the one clip that's on YouTube of him. Yeah, what, from what, the, what, I've never what, actually what? seen. The, the film. Um, I'm going to... This is not going to be the best audio uh, ever, but I'm going to play it out loud um, because I think it's important that, Tim, you hear it again. Yeah. Um, just because it's so good. But I'm going to... When I pull it up, I'm going to make sure I let you guys know. If you go on YouTube and you just just search this, let their, blo- their blood rain from the sky. It's the first... <laughs> The first video that pops Let, up. Okay, I'm marking. I'm timestamping this, so just in case I don't get lazy and want, I can splice it into. But go ahead and play it. Excellent. <laughs> this is a seven-second clip from the film Dungeons and Dragons, and this is the great Jeremy Irons as Mage Profion. Let their blood rain from the sky. Okay, yeah, I'm definitely going to splice that in. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do it. It's that. pretty good. Um, I want to do it one more time. Go for it. Just for a good measure. Let their blood rain from the sky! It's, it's, um, it's very good. So just know that there's a lot of good stuff from him in the film. Because that's all I've watched of it. <laughs> Marlon Wayans is in that movie. Marlon Wayans is in that movie. It's true. Yeah. You got a favorite Marlon Wayland? I, I like Marlon. I, I oh, Marlon Sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Marlon Sweet. I, I always Marlon. wanted to see Marlon play Robin. Yeah, Mar- that was that rumor that was uh, supposed to be Batman Forever, right? Yeah, he was like cast. Yeah. There's like apparently 
Was that when Burton was still attached? Yeah. Okay. There's screen test videos of him in costume. And stuff. Oh, is there? Yeah, it got that far. That's my understanding hmm. that it got that far. He, uh, they, his weird character- that the Warner Brothers DC movie fell apart. Yeah, crazy, <laughs> right? <laughs> weird that they have a history. <laughs> That's just nuts. Um, they did bring his character into the uh, Batman '89. Comics, yeah, though. I read the first so, issue of that, so. and it was cool. But yeah. anyway, uh, um, yes, uh, Marlon Wayans. My favorite Marlon Wayans performance is man. I don't know. Actually, I'm not sure. Uh, Honestly, probably Requiem for a Dream because he's really like as far as like from an act, he's incredible in it. Yeah. Um, but I'm a big White Chicks fan. I like White Chicks too. White Chicks was on the other day. I yeah, I think well, it's actually, it's funny. been a while. Yeah. I think it's White very Chicks, funny. White Chicks is funny. Uh, don't be a menace. Also good. Also very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Why are we talking about Marlon? <laughs> Do you remember the film The Lady Killers? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Marlon's in that. Marlon is in that. Yeah, this he, is not. He, the, jump back and forth, but yeah, dramatic and yeah. This is not my theater experience, but I'm going to share it very quickly, and then we'll move on from Marlon. Uh, it's sad to let him go, but we're going to move on from him. Um, <laughs> No, uh, I, I was just questioning it. I was not stopping us okay, from talking enough, about it. Um, somebody I know, I don't actually remember who it was, um, was in a, a screening of The Lady Killers. And not too far into it, um, a lady in the audience said, she clearly was displeased with the film she was watching. She goes, Marlon, what you done? <laughs> and I always liked that. Like, this is a quote from... Marlon, what you done? Like, like, just like, like, f- pure disappointment. Yeah. Now she was watching the Lady Killers. Yes. At the time, so she had gone to the movie. I think she went for Marlon, <laughs> and she was so disappointed in the midst of the film that she out loud <laughs> said, "Marlon, what you done?" Passionately. But I, th- I, my understanding is she stayed. She saw it through. So good for her. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, maybe maybe it turned around. That's not the Coen Brothers' best film. But, no, it's not. Um, just a few, uh, also good about Jeremy Irons. We'll go back to him. He's an exceptionally yes, good horseman, and he enjoys skiing, but he hates cooking. He loves gardening and the beauty of nature. None of this surprises me. <laughs> uh, he's uh, he's a BMW motorcycle enthusiast, but he's sped a lot, apparently. Oh. They, they talk about him speeding a lot. Um he was born. IMDb is so weird on their actors trivia page. Born at two a.m. British Standard Time. Okay. He owns Kilco Castle in Cor- County Cork, Ireland, and has become involved in local politics, as many actors and actresses do, even if you don't want them to. <laughs> even if you'd rather they don't. <laughs> uh, he narrated the Spaceship Earth attraction at Epcot. Now, this is important to me mm. because this. You're a big Epcot fan. I'm a big Epcot fan, and that's this is the ride in the ball and. This is now narrated by the delightful Dame Judy Dench, who apparently took over. She kicked Jeremy Irons out and said, no, oh no, no. Well, he was busy with his political <laughs> ambitions, so um, his gardening ambitions as well. No, I, I think it's lovely. I love to think of of uh, of him out there you know, tending to the garden. It's delightful. And he did think, um, this will lead us into, I think, the movie. Mm-hmm. He won an... He, um, he won the Oscar at the nineteen the nineteen ninety Oscars. He won an Oscar, and in his acceptance speech for Best Actor and Reversal of Fortune, he thanked David, and that was David Cronenberg. Very cool. Yeah. I think that he did that. Um, yeah, he's also one of only I believe nine actors to uh, achieve the Triple Crown. Yes, which is kind of fun. So yeah, that's what is that Emmy, Emmy, Tony, and Oscar, uh, Oscar for. Acting. An accomplished so. date. I like Jeremy Irons quite a bit. Big fan of his. Uh, my, my favorite my, performance is Scar. I mean, yeah. He's incredible. <laughs> he's re- Honestly, yes. He's <laughs> one of the great Disney villains, and there's a lot of good Disney villains. Um, he's also a ton of fun in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yes, yes. I think he's really good at that. Really yeah, fun. And that's a tough... Uh, that's a tough role to do because there are some... Hans is such an iconic villain as well. But and, he... And there are similarities between the two brothers and the two characters, and he... He makes it his own, and I think he's, I think it's a great. He's a great villain too. That character, yeah, a lot of fun. Love Jeremy Irons. Yes. Um. All right. So Willie, Dead Ringers. Tell me what you thought of Dead Ringers. Is this your first time? No. Okay. Um. I have seen it before, but it must. It's been a long time. This might as well have been my first time. Um. Because it's been a long time. I don't know if it just my memory was foggy on it, or if I watched this. Way back when, expecting it to be like a straight horror film, and it's not really. It is, but it isn't. It's not the kind of horror film I would have been watching back then, certainly. Um, 
but or maybe I just blocked it from my memory. Because there's a lot that <laughs> I might block from my memory for this viewing. Um, well, it's weird too because, like you said. It, uh, I, when I see the title Dead Ringers and I see David Cronenberg in the 80s, Dead Ringers is kind of a schlocky title. It is. As it is. And I think, I would think, like, if you just walked in and rented it, it's straight horror. This is not. <laughs> no, no, no. And I, when I had seen this, I definitely would have seen The Fly at this point. I would have seen Scanners more, more than likely. Uh, those two for sure. I don't think I would have necessarily seen Videodrome. I can guarantee you I saw The Fly and Scanners for sure. So... This wasn't necessarily what I would have expected from the Cronenberg stuff I had seen at the time. Yeah. Because I didn't see Videodrome until later. Um, uh, the Brood I didn't see until later. So, um, anyway, it, it was all based on what did my video store carry? And I think the three Cronenberg movies they had were The Fly, Scanners, and Dead Ringers. <laughs> um, so, this is basically my first time in a lot of ways. And just general thoughts... It is um, It is not my favorite Cronenberg movie of the ones we've talked about. The Fly still holds that title. I think this is the best movie of the bunch. Okay. Ooh. ooh. I think it's the ooh, best one. You said you were going to come with a hot take. Like, I think this is the best of the movies. I, I think this might be his best movie. Okay. I know. Now, do you, okay, so I'm going to ask you here. So when you say best, are you thinking like, you think in, craft. in terms of quality or do you think like maybe like this is the best, this is kind of like when I think, sometimes I think like Prince of, because I, I maybe see what you're saying here, Prince of Darkness is Carpenter's best movie because it embodies a lot of Carpenter's themes. Oh, okay, 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 yeah. So, so I got, I see what you're saying. So there, are, there, you're right, there's different ways. So it's not my favorite, mm-hmm. so I'll throw that definition right. of best out the window. It is not the most representative of all of Cronenberg's stuff. And I think that's what you're kind of... It's like this perfect... Right. When you're thinking of a a filmmaker where it's like, if somebody's like, hey, what's a good movie to get the complete vibe of this director? Prince of Darkness is actually a really good call. Right. For Carpenter's, like, if you want a a marriage of all the stuff he likes to do. I don't think this is that for Cronenberg necessarily. I think The Fly still kind of is that for Cronenberg. Um, I just think this is his best made movie. Like, I think it's... I think, like... The performances are all great. Um, it's got a very a, a plot that, well, it gets crazy and nuts. It all makes sense. It's got it's a story that's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, the characters might not always be the most likable people, but God, are they watchable? <laughs> um, and that's the case with a lot of Cronenberg stuff. Um, Irons is fantastic, like phenomenal in this. Like you can immediately tell which character he's playing. Um, the score is great, and I've loved the scores in kind of everything. All these Cronenberg movies, like I've been blown away by all the scores. Um, this is Howard, how is Howard Shore, right? I believe so. Yeah, he's um, back in this one. The direction is 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 great. The cinematography is great. Like, I I kind of love it. Like the, the 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 themes are great. I think the way he wraps up both the plot and thematically ties everything up is kind of perfect. I think the movie kind of ends perfectly. Um, it might be his best in terms of like craft, like pure craft, like filmmaking. This might be his best movie. I, I I'd have to rewatch some more, but I, I mean, I think there's certainly an argument to be made for the fly in that respect. But man, I don't know. This is really good stuff. Like, just from a pure filmmaking perspective, it is not easy to watch, which is not exactly shocking if you've been listening to us talk about Cronenberg for the last month or so. Um, it is a tough watch. This is not a movie I would go back to a lot, and it's. I think it's just because it is. I mean, it's. This is not a feel-good movie. Um, not that his other ones are, but there's nothing. This is not an. Uh, to me, it's. This is not an immensely rewatchable film. It's a movie you maybe see a couple times in your lifetime, and you're like, "Whoa, man, oh man," and uh, that for me is why like the fly would be a favorite. As opposed to this, I, I always kind of count my favorites as the ones I like to go back to frequently. Um, but I really think this is like this is like this is like Cronenberg, and I've seen all of his stuff pre Dead Ringers and most of his stuff post. And this is Cronenberg's in this. Okay, so I'm trying to think. I'm going to compare this to Stephen King, which I think is a fair comparison, right? I mean, you know, Cronenberg did Dead Zone, so. Uh, I think that in a lot of ways, it, the book it, is the culmination of everything Stephen King did 
from Kerry all the way through. And it's kind of his final word on that first that first chapter of his work as an author before he'd move on to what was next. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. It feels like the end point, like the climax of that. This feels like the climax and the end point for this era of Cronenberg. And I, and it, it, it's because everything I think he learned from his previous experiences and movies he's made, he has ironed out all that stuff and he's really like 100% on top of his game for this movie. So I really liked this. I won't watch it again for a long time, but I really liked it. This has been the most this has been the most enjoyable part of not that I haven't enjoyed watching Cronenberg. This has been the most enjoyable part of the summer of Cronenberg for me. Was seeing this again and going, "Whoa, okay, this is actually pretty good." Yeah. You know, but I can see why like a lot of people might not love this movie. It's yeah, I like I I I'm curious to see what you thought. Cuz I, I mean, I I can see I could see you going the the opposite it, perhaps, you know what I mean, where it's like, "Eh, but yeah." What did you think? No, I don't I'm not going to go eh on it. Yeah. Because I I'm I'm curious how you could go eh, eh, on this. Like, but I I will say some of the stuff you mentioned is kind of how I feel cuz I am I'm less enthusiastic about this movie. I this in a way is a great capper to the 80s Cronenberg series mm-hmm. we've been doing because you're right. It does it encapsulates everything that we've been talking about in this movie, but it also leads into that more clinical era of his filmography with stuff like spider and mm-hmm. existence and even like the more recent, like Cosmopolis and dangerous method and stuff. And honestly, that's the stuff where with Cronenberg, where I respect it and I respect that people really like it. It's not for me though. It loses you a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Because it, and I think a lot of it is because it is so cold and clinical and emotionless. Mm-hmm. I like stuff like the fly because I, I, I had a blast with the fly yeah. this time around. It's great. <laughs> so it's phenomenal. And even stuff like scanners, I, I really had fun with in video drum as well. Um, because there is a, there's a human element to it. And I'm, I, you, you summed up with these are, interesting characters to watch and i'm not a person who's like you gotta have i gotta have a character i like in it <laughs> mm-hmm. because and i just have to find some empathy some humanity and i'm able to find that with characters in this movie mm-hmm. but it's also Even the brothers there's there's moments yes and they're hard to latch on to you get but there is a part of you that just feels bad for just how <laughs> sad they are sad they are yeah. like there's a sadness to it and you do kind of even though they're just gross and awful Mm-hmm. Um, you do just kind of feel like just a, on a human level, just kind of feel sad and bad for them. <laughs> yeah, this is an unsettling movie. Um, mm-hmm. but there is a detachment to it as well, and it's Cronenberg in uh, scientist mode for hour and fifty minutes, <laughs> and that's I think the other thing. I think it goes a little too long for me, and because you know how I am, I get I get restless and I get impatient. yeah, I get that. Um, this is the longest I think of the films we watched. I believe so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway. That's where I'm at, but I can't take away from the fact of how well made it is, um, how great looking it is, the the colors, the mix of like the red and the silver and the gray and all like the coldness and it's a beautifully made film. Yeah, yeah. and and Jeremy Irons, uh, the lead performances are very good, but Jeremy uh, Jeremy Irons is spectacular in this movie, and I really I believe in some ways uh, the part of the reason he got to he thanked Cronenberg and he probably has said something about it in interviews of, of why he did it, but I, I feel like up to this point, like this was Cronenberg letting him kind of do his thing, kind of letting him loose and do his thing. And that a lot of recognition from this movie may have led to him getting more recognition the next year when he won a, won an Oscar. So it's one of those, this is one of those performances that happens in a genre flick that maybe doesn't get, didn't get the respect it deserves because of where Cronenberg was at the time too, Mm -hmm. which was coming off a lot of, I think, I think certain critics liked him, but he was, and we've we've read through Fangoria. He was articles. a horror director. He was a horror director, and a lot of people looked at his stuff as schlock and mm-hmm. didn't look a lot deeper in, uh, or didn't look deeper into it. And I don't. Maybe this performance didn't or doesn't. And I think it has now because I think a lot of people recognize it as being great, but maybe didn't get the respect it deserved at the time. So I could see Irons maybe feeling like, you know, if you were going to nominate me, maybe that right was the one that you know. Because you can tell he put a lot of himself into the, into the movie, like poured a lot of his energy into it and stuff. I mean, it can't be easy to play, you know, these two characters. And I know that he had a lot of techniques he, you know, had to use to 
to differentiate the two. He had like separate wardrobes and and separate trailers for separate each character trailers, and stuff. Right? And he yeah. wound up ixing that probably mostly to, for a for my just a uh, like a logistical reason. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, practical stuff. You yeah. Know? But um, you know, he talked about how he would he would shift the weight of his feet depending on who he's playing. So if he was playing one of the brother, let's say Beverly, he would shift the weight to his heels of his feet throughout the scene. So he'd have a different, a little bit of a different posture, slightly different walk and stuff like that. Kind of, kind of fun, you know. And then the other guy, he would shift the weight to his front of his feet. So it was, it's kind of cool that he would, you know, it tells me that he really, he probably put a lot of work into this, these dual roles. And I'm sure that he was probably just appreciative of the chance to do something like this. How many actors get a chance to really get a chance to sink their teeth into two characters in one movie. It and this happen was, that often. Yeah, and this was one of the first movies to use that kind of matte technology yeah. too. Where yeah. and honestly, it looks really great. Pretty seamless. Yeah, it's and Cronenberg is perfect for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it looks I've seen uh stuff since that's been made since then using the same sort of technology and it does not look as good as yes. it does in this movie. Um it's pretty I can't think of a time where seamless. I went Oh, okay. That looks off. Yeah, I and I would look for it, but I was, uh, I think maybe one or two. But honestly, it never took me out of yeah. the movie, and, and and that's happened before. So yeah, real quick before we get into the plot. Yeah, we've watched what five movies now? Cronenberg in the five. 80s. Wow. Yeah. You want to rank them real quick? Yeah, I could do that. Okay. Sure. You go. You go first, and then I'll go. Are we going lowest to highest? What are we doing? Or just ranking them? Let's go lowest. So let's go five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Um, five for me is probably Scanners, and that's not to say I didn't like it, it's just, I think out of the bunch, I probably liked it the least. Four is probably Dead Zone. Three is, man, this is tough. Three is Videodrome, two is Dead Ringers, one is Fly. There we go. That's what I'm going to go with right now. I think video drum and dead ringers could be interchangeable. Yeah. Yeah. I I can see that. And yeah, Yeah. I'm going to go five scanners four dead ringers, three, the dead zone two video drum, one, the fly. We're not, yeah, we're not that far off. Yeah. yeah, I think (laughs) so. Okay. Are you ready? Anything else before we dive into the plot? Yeah. It's not a plot heavy movie, so I don't think we're exactly going to be, you know, it's like four paragraphs out of Wikipedia. So we'll it's I'll, amazing. I'll stop after. Yeah, because there's paragraph. Break it up. Yeah, do that. <laughs> That's great. Uh, twins Elliot and Beverly Mantle are gynecologists who jointly operate a highly successful clinical practice in Toronto. We're back in Canada uh, that specializes in treating fertility problems. Elliot, the more confident and cynical of the two, seduces women who come to the Mantle Clinic. When he tires of them, the women are passed on to the shy and passive Beverly, while the women remain unaware of their substitution. Okay, so... That's the end of that paragraph. It's pretty gross, right? Um, this was based very loosely, very. I think, on a uh, true story. Yes, there were um, twin gynecologists. They did some shady stuff. Um, I have a twin cool. magic. Um, <laughs> they did get addicted to drugs, and they did die together. <laughs> yes. I, I yeah. yeah. Uh, I have a yeah. I have a. Uh, this is from like I think the New York Post. It's doctors double try or like from like the original article. Yeah, I clipped a little bit and uh, it says it was like the the lead in this is it was like a scene from Superfly <laughs> is how it starts. And I go first of all, these two gentlemen look nothing like Superfly. Um, but they they says they first report in the New York Daily News. That's what it is. Cyril was lying face down on the bed. In a pair of shorts, Stewart's body was found on the floor. Another room near an identical matching bed, lying face up and completely naked. The handyman told the police the place was disheveled, with large amounts of cash scattered throughout the apartment. There were no signs of struggles. One of the armchairs was covered in human excrement. This sounds like nothing like Superfly. I just want you to know. No, <laughs> so, no. Uh, but there were some quotes from some of the women who dealt with them who um one of them says having them in attendance was horrible one checked with his fingers to see how far i was dilated then called his brother and had him check too then they did it again it was painful enough to have one person checking the dilation excruciating to have two people do it it was also i should add totally unnecessary but they didn't 
they did it anyway. Yeah. It was if, if one couldn't bear to do something without sharing what he was doing with his brother. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the real life story. Of yeah, it wasn't. They weren't doing a. <laughs> it wasn't as far as them tricking people into. Oh, it's not me. It's you know what I'm saying. They weren't swapping each other out or anything. But they were. They were doing skeevy stuff at their practice uh, for each other's weird enjoyment. So yeah. Um, and the freaky part is one of them died. Uh, I believe one of them died straight up. It was a drug overdose. And then the other one died like a day later. So he was like bopping around the apartment with his brother's corpse in the apartment for a full day. And then he died and they don't really know how weird. Like there was no, the stuff normally associated with withdrawal symptoms was not present. Okay. So like, how'd that guy die? It's bizarre. So I can see why Cronenberg was like, what? Right. It's fascinating. <laughs> yes. So it's a it's a gross true story. It's yeah. also, this is a sensationalized version, like you mentioned, yes. in some ways of that true story. Of course, story. yeah. But it's closer than I, you would expect. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you see based on true story, you go, oh, okay, all right, you know. But this is not insanely far off right. from what the truth was, so... Actress Claire Nouveau mm. comes to the clinic for her infertility, infertility, where it turns out she has a trifurcated cervix. Yes. I knew I was going to have problems with that, meaning she probably will be unable to have children. Elliot seduces Claire and then urges Beverly to sleep with her. Beverly becomes emotionally attached to Claire, and this upsets the equilibrium between the twins. I believe he says you must try her, which is horrific. <laughs> right. <laughs> like there, that- are some, there are some incredibly blunt lines in this movie that... Their bluntness makes me laugh, and then I go, God. Because you're uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah, 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 100%. No, 100%. If I'm chuckling at stuff in this movie, it's because I'm feeling kind of like, oh. I think that's the other thing, too, that maybe <sighs> I don't warm to about this movie is it is it, it is uh, it is a bleak, it is not a funny movie. No. At all. No. And like, and when you do laugh, like you said, it's because you're uncomfortable with uh, She says, like, tell me, doctor, how's my uterus? How's my uterus look, or something yeah. like a line to that yeah, effect? Sorry, what? And I, I remember I, I laughed at just the, just the bloodness of it. Just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Beverly becomes emotionally attached to Claire, and yeah, um, Beverly also begins sharing Claire's abuse of prescription drugs, mm. which he abets through his doctor's authority. When Claire learns that Elliot has been taking sexual advantage of her by impersonating Beverly, she's angry and confronts them both in a restaurant. But later decides to continue her relationship with Beverly exclusively. Okay, so um, I could see some people saying that the Claire character and her actions in the movie are problematic, I think is the term people use. I don't like that term, but like, you know what I mean. Right. I actually am okay with this situation, and here's why. I actually think that there's agency in the Claire character saying like, I, I like Beverly, like I like him, and yeah, this is pretty messed up what happened, but like, I like this guy. Like and she's clearly she's damaged. I mean, she's got like some serious stuff going on. It's not like she's necessarily in her right frame of mind all the time. She's taking drugs. She's going through some serious, serious emotional turmoil regarding uh, not being able to to carry and things like that. And so there's a whole she's got a lot going on. But I do think I I I immediately went like, ooh, that's kind of gross that she's like still wanting to hang out. But like she makes it pretty clear what her intention. Like she likes Beverly. And she wants to see him still. And she's pretty good about, like, laying it out there. Like, I, I don't know. I kind of kind of appreciate the fact that she stood up for herself and was like, this is what I want. It is you her know. choice. It's yeah. her life. Yeah. yeah. I think that comes across. Yep. I, what I will say, there are some criticisms of, and I think the movie forgets about her for a little bit, though, too. It it gets... Okay, I will say this. and And I think you mentioned before... It goes a little long for you. The downfall of the drug abuse stuff with Beverly goes on longer than it needs to. Yeah. And that's where she disappears from the picture. Because she can't be in the picture for that to properly play out. Her absence is what keeps him moving in that downward spiral. Um, Right. His his paranoia and, and his jealousy and stuff. I think what would solve both those problems, her her not being in literally in the picture for a good chunk of the movie there, and also the runtime would be maybe truncating some of the Beverly struggle 
stuff a little bit more. I think we could still accomplish the same thing and show how far he's fallen and how addicted he is without necessarily spending a huge chunk of time on it. So, uh, The extras are very good. Genevieve Buhold, Bujold, um, Bujol. Yeah, I'm not familiar with her. No, she... No. Now, I think I knew this about her, but like, I think I knew this about her, but I didn't really know, like it didn't connect with me yeah. until I read the trivia, but she was originally supposed to be Captain Janeway on Star Trek Voyager. Oh, cool. <clears throat> so, I could see that. Yeah, she yeah. left after a few days of filming. The schedule was too much for her, and that's when they reached out to Kate Mulgrew, who- Who's wonderful. Yeah, and who would kind of, it was kind of an iconic performance. Uh, she your favorite Star Trek captain? No, no. I like Janeway. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, we're, well, look, we can talk about Star Trek here because Cronenberg uh, is in Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Yes. Uh, who Discovery has had a different captain like every season. So that one doesn't even oh, count. Really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it started with, um, oh, what's my man's name from uh, Jason Isaacs. What? Yeah. He played Captain Lorca. Oh. And then it yeah moved on to, I think, um, if I remember now, uh, right now, I think it might be Doug Jones who... Explain Saru. He's been on the show. He's been on the show since the beginning. Yeah. Anthony Rapp is on the show. Anthony too? Rapp is on the show. He plays like kind of like a yeah an engineer. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a good cast. Um, but no, my favorite. I'm a Kirk guy. Um, Janeway. Janeway is tough because I'm not a huge Voyager fan. Mm. Uh, my wife loves Janeway. Yeah. Because it, it, she was the first female captain sure. as well, and Amy watched a lot of Star Trek Voyager as a young. Kate Mulgrew, very good. I never watched the entirety of the show, but I've seen a couple seasons. It was good. Uh, but she's very good uh, on Orange is the New Black. Ah, uh, yeah, she's quite good on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's cool. So yeah, I think I'm probably. A, I mean, I'm. It's You're boring. a Cisco guy. That's just Cisco is not necessarily a captain though, because he he works at the space station. Oh, that's yeah. True. Well, I mean, wait a minute though. Is he? He's a captain. captain? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, just a second. Just he was invited to the captain's celebration. So, um, <laughs> he's a psychopath, right? Yeah, he doesn't even. Uh, he doesn't even show up. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I always thought Cisco was a captain. I didn't realize. Well, wait a minute. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see if he was. We're not talking about the thong song, Cisco. By the way, <laughs> we are talking about uh, the Star Trek character. If he ever became, because he's a commanding officer on Deep Space Nine, but he does become captain. Yeah, in the later seasons. Okay, he's a commander and one through. That's what I thought. He's a commander in the first couple seasons, and then he becomes a captain. In seasons three through seven of the, excellent of the USS Defiant, excellent played by the <laughs> great the great Avery Brooks. That was going to yeah, that was going to bother me. For... We're deep diving some Star Trek stuff. Anyway, where were we? Where were we? Eventually, Claire leaves town to work on another film, sending Beverly into clinical depression, more prescription drug abuse, and paranoid delusions about mutant women, which is what. Yeah, with abnormal genitalia. That's what they refer to them in the movie. So they don't mention it here in the Wikipedia uh, summary, but I wanted to mention just when I thought that we didn't have enough body horror in the movie. Because I I shouldn't say that. There's plenty of horrific stuff involving bodies, specifically female bodies in the movie. Yeah. There's some scenes, some like gynecological scenes. And he's not... What I love about it is uh, Cronenberg knows that this is not a subject where he can get super like photographically graphic with it um so that when there are scenes involving like gynecological examinations or abuse in some circumstances we don't see things thank god i mean, i'm i'm so happy cronenberg had the sense right. to and it becomes more horrifying because we are not um we don't see it we're hearing the reaction of the patient and so, and the um just kind of the, uh, I don't know, the blasé attitude of of the Irons brothers, I'll, I'll call them. Right. Um, but no, I wanted to mention the, the, the dream sequence. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, 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 okay. So the, uh, just but just as I got to like, man, we're not having, there's really no room for like classic surrealist crazy body horror in this. Um, I don't, I think it's Beverly has a dream where he is, fused physically fused like a like a Siamese twin situation with a conjoined twin situation with um his brother and uh he's in bed with Claire and she starts biting them apart <laughs> so uh, it's really horrifying stuff so I'm glad Cronenberg was able to insert that in there that was that that was nice 
uh, uh, yes yeah it's almost like it, it's kind of like it was almost like a bone thrown to some of his horror fans. oh for sure it's but like, it works yeah it's like okay i know i know maybe some of you me you're looking for it are getting impatient with this and here you go here you go and i went oh god that's gross uh this is what i where i thought you're going beverly seeks out metallurgical yeah. artist anders wallach and commissions a set of bizarre gynecological instruments for operating on these mutant women anders wallach played by the lead from uh scanners, scanners yes he's back of short short role but yep. uh small role but beverly prepares to operate on a patient during surgery with one of wallach's tools while his shocked surgical team exchanges horrified glances before he can proceed, the drug-addled doctor drops one of the tools on the ground and then collapses atop the patient and begins to inhale from her gas mask. Both brothers are immediately suspended from practice and put on administrative leave by the hospital board. I would think so. I would hope so. I love that, 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 that they're very to the point on that. Like it doesn't. There's no like. There's no goofing around. It's not like oh one brother's in trouble yeah. and the other one's not. It's a quick like you guys are done. Like you're nuts. <laughs> the you brought, uh, you brought torture equipment in into a surgery and you gas masked yourself yeah the uh the red surgical outfits i have to they're so sweet they are sweet they're also very probably inaccurate because like red is not a color you would want to be wearing while doing surgery just for eyes really um it's hard on the eyes but it's also it's all it, it reminds me of of course like the hands made tail and what it's supposed to be rep- and kind of what it represents which is like the color red the blood and the menstrual blood basically is what it was connected yeah with me so um, there's also a cultish Yes, very much There's so. A weird kind of eerie cultish vibe about the outfits they're wearing too. And a lot of the movie's color scheme is kind of bathed in red as well. It's that that color is kind of surrounding, kind of creeping in through the edges too. Yeah. Um, a lot I, of I always love that 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 visual style. You see it in movies here and there where they they they'll sprinkle that red in, yep. in relatively sanitary and not colorless. You know, but like lots of cold colors, and then all of a sudden you'll see that red sprinkled in. I really take that stuff. Yes, uh, the recent Thor had a lot of that that in it. Strangely enough. There was a little bit of that color play in the in the new Thor movie. There so was. I yeah. like. I always appreciate that. So. Mm-hmm. I bet you Taika, Taika Waititi is. He's probably, seen Dead Ringers. I bet you he likes Dead Ringers. He does. <laughs> uh, with their medical careers now ruined, Elliot locks Beverly inside the clinic and tries to clean him up, taking pills himself in order to synchronize with Beverly. When Claire returns, Beverly leaves the clinic to be with her after recovering from. Recovering his sobriety, he returns to the clinic, which he finds in shambles and Elliot despondent and intoxicated. Their positions have become reversed as Beverly cares for Elliot. Drugged and despairing, they celebrate their mock birthday and Elliot volunteers to be killed so as to separate the Siamese twins and allow Beverly to live his own life. Beverly disembowels Elliot mm. <laughs> on an exam-, exam table with the same claw-like instrument of Wallach's that he planned to use on his patient in the operating room. A lot to take in there, so let's stop. <sighs> this is where I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, like, those torture, they're like torture devices. What they they're horrifying. Yeah. Um, and this is, a, this is a rough scene. This this is where the movie gets really rough. Um, it's dark stuff. These I guys, mean, yeah, these guys like they they don't want to get separated from each other. They, no. they like they feel like they can't be. They're separated codependent. Each other. They're terrified. Beyond. Yeah, that's what scares that and women. Like yes. the women scare the hell out of them. Terrified of them. <laughs> yes, and that's where you almost because you see in the beginning of the movie they ask a a young they're young boys and they ask a young girl like will you have sex with us in the bathtub yeah is how they i said this so like they're they're sexually curious but they're also like they have no idea how to interact they don't know how to interact and they they cannot fathom having a sexual or not even just a sexual relationship like a relationship a romantic relationship with a woman without the other brother being part of it. Right. In some way, shape, or form. There's and a that, lot going on there. <laughs> there is. It, it, I mean, there's literally a moment in the film where Elliot, I not verbally suggests, but kind of, but makes a suggestion that the, that the brother should be in a three-way. Have a three-way, yeah. Somebody. Yeah, so like, there is a symbiotic relationship that is very much in their, like, that primordial part of their brain's that they, they they can't turn off, and when when one of them Beverly winds up in a relationship, solo relationship, as as kind of laid out there by Claire saying I want to be in a relationship with Beverly, not Elliot, not both of you, Beverly and only Beverly. 
as soon as that happens, the guy falls apart. Yeah. He falls to pieces. Um, and yes, part of that is is being introduced to some of the drugs, but like, there's more than that because this is a guy who's been around plenty of prescription drugs throughout his entire adult life being a doctor and has not had any sort of, that we can tell, issues with any of that. And the second that he gets in this relationship that he now has to bear the burden of and the responsibility of of being in a relationship that he is now one of, you know like he his brother's not there to help him there's no there's no uh fallback plan or anything like he falls apart he falls to pieces yeah so it's there is and there like you said there's we didn't even yeah we didn't even mention the uh the scene where they prostitutes the twin uh yes Elliot uh, is it Jill Hennessy? It is Jill Hennessy. Yeah, yeah, she was on Law and Order. She was was she crossing Jordan? Crossing Jordan. Yep. Okay. Yep. I yes. always liked that show. Um, it was Jill and her sister was the other. Yeah, actress. who I don't believe did a ton of acting. Uh, <laughs> I think Jill was the one who went on to do right know, stuff. But yeah, Elliot's got a twin thing. There's a twin. There's a whole thing going on. There. I mean, it's it's just yeah. There's a lot going on with regard to. I don't think that like. I don't think it's like it, it's and because I, I don't think Cronenberg would be all that interested in it. It's not that Elliot and, and Beverly want to have it like a relationship with each other. It's not a, an incestuous thing per se. It's it's a mental borderline psychic link between the two of them. It's that they yeah. literally cannot function without the other person being yes. there. Yes, it's almost yeah, that's what it it's almost like they need each other there because of that relationship yep. they want to be with each other for yes. that and you're right, it's not like a sexual thing. It's not. Or, yeah. It's not. I mean, I don't it think is, they, they wouldn't yeah. they, they wouldn't be I don't think they would that that would be something that they would be above being involved in certainly. Right. Um especially Elliot, he seems like he's like oh, whatever. Um <laughs> but Elliot's down a cloud, he's ready to go. Yeah, whatever. Um but it is more about. I, I don't think that these two, either one of these two, can feel genuine emotion, real healthy emotion, without the other one being there to share it with them. It's just they can't do it. Um, and so then, and, and, and ultimately, when Beverly kills Elliot, uh, which is well. Ugh. Rough, just horrifying stuff. I have a thing about disembowelment that <laughs> I know that sounds silly, but it's true. Yeah, we'll talk about that at some point. But um, <laughs> when he kills Elliot and wakes up out out of this kind of drug induced sleep he was in, he's immediately and it's really sad. Like even though you're like I I, I have very little, I have no sympathy for these people at this point. I do have some empathy for them because they are just sad human beings. I don't feel bad for them for the situation they're in. I don't feel bad. I I I I'm I think they're both kind of pathetic and and I'm angry at some of the horrible stuff they've done. But I do they're just sad to watch. And like the first thing that that Beverly does is like walk around calling out for his brother. Yeah. He never once looks over and recognizes that his brother is dead. Like cut open on the table i don't think he even like i don't think he even realizes that beverly like i don't think he's willing to believe that elliot's not it's not so much that he's not alive anymore it's that he can't like that that part of that psychic link is gone there's no brother and so i think he walks out the door he thinks he legitimately thinks about like carrying on with his day in his life he calls claire right and then i think it's like when once it dawns on him he resigns himself to going back there and dying because he can't live without, you know, without that connection. So it's very sad and like I said, kind of pathetic and yeah. So yeah, I was going to read the You already, that's the ending. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, sorry, sorry. No, you're good. Um, I'm glad you, what a picture. <laughs> what a film. But there, I mean, man, and like you said, there's a, there's a line too with this that she says, um, What's the character's name? Claire. Uh, Claire. Well, Claire says, and let me because I wrote it down because it was it dev- it was devastating to me. She goes because she's referring to the fact that she is infertile, 
Um, yeah, and right. she says, when I'm dead, I'll just be dead. I'll never be a woman at all, just a girl. And I went, oh, my God. Oh, my God, that is what, rough. What an awful, like. That's some solid dialogue, though. It's really, it's really, yeah. and it's really blunt. It's really good dialogue. And it's also just like you, that's in that moment where you're like, oh, you feel awful for her. Like, you're just like, come on. <laughs> come on, that's not, that's not okay. Don't but, think like that. Don't think like that, yes. But, yeah, you do. And, like, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, even with these characters that are by no means quote-unquote likable, you do – there are moments of humanity where you just – you can't help but just feel sad and bad for them. And just, She's the character that I would say is the most – not – relatable is not the right word right. for it. But the mo- the easiest to cling to from a, like, I'm rooting for you standpoint. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. the, Like, if I'm going to get behind a character, it's hers. Um. But it's a movie about it's yeah it's a movie about and like a lot of carnival movies about being human and yeah mm-hmm. and all of and how or how people think humans should be and, yeah yeah yep. so there you go um, oh I've often thought there should be that was another line I wrote down that oh yes I often thought there should be beauty contests for the insides of bodies. <laughs> what a good that's a good carnival. There's line. some good stu- dialogue yeah. in this movie. There is yeah yeah. Um, cool yeah. All right there you go. That's Dead <laughs> the Ringers. End. There you have it. I'm glad we did this. Me too. Um, Me too. I know it was there was some of these movies we talked a little bit offline too about. They're rough. Rock, they're not. They're not fun watches. Looking back, and I think the summer of Cronenberg was my idea, so maybe I should apologize. No, 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 no. no I don't apologize. We enjoyed it. Um, but it was a doing five Cronenbergs in a row is not easy on the soul. <laughs> no. You know, when I was a, this is one of the things too, when I was a younger man, I think I may have handled this better. Like when I'm in my 20s and I'm experimenting with different films. And yeah, like, yeah. Like, I would I got my whole life ahead of me. <laughs> I would agree with that. My, my teens, my college years. Like I, I'd be like, oh, let's knock out some Cronenberg today. Yeah. But now that I'm getting older and I'm like, uh, so I'm like, I've been working all day. I don't want to think about this stuff right now, Dave. I don't want to think about the fact that my body's going to fall apart. <laughs> Like, you're like my body out. is falling apart. I know it is. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm in my twenties and I'm running around, there's horrible stuff. Like I don't, I'm, I don't feel invincible or immortal anymore. Yeah. I can't watch this shit. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I can watch The Fly. Um, maybe The Brood. Um. So we are going to we're going to mix it up a little bit uh, for for a while here, and and that's not to say that we're not going to cer- certainly not. We'll be talking about horror in yeah. all its forms. We'll be talking about horror movies and doing kind of reviews and horror movies still, absolutely. We're just going to take a break from the usual, like, pick a movie, review a movie, pick a movie, review a movie. And we hope you guys don't mind that change. Please let us know, obviously, as we go yeah. on. You know, we just we want to mix it up. We want to freshen it up. We want to do something a little different. Maybe Cronenberg got to us. <laughs> Maybe he was like, he, he planted that seed in our heads and now the seed is growing and saying, do different stuff. So, um, I mean, Tim, we talked about this. I mean... We're just going to come on and talk. Yeah, I mean, we're going to wing it, I think, a little bit For more. a little while. I mean, we're going to be talking about stuff, uh, newer stuff, I think, more often. Um, we're going to be talking about um, uh, things like Prey is coming out soon. Um, some newer movies here and there that we can get on streaming. We're going to be talking about I, random horror subjects. Yeah, we're, I think we'll have a lot more because I, I think that's part of what we've we've had a lot of fun with the Tiny Terrors too, and Nikki joined. Yeah, us. just kind of fl- talking about horror. Yeah, not necessarily a homework assignment, but horror. Right. Um, and that's been fun for us, and I think we want to do more of that on the show proper. So yes, and and you know if the, obviously if there's anything that you guys want us to talk about. Whether it's a specific movie or you have a question for us, a horror question you want to pose to us that you want us to discuss on the show, or oh yeah, segment ideas, topic ideas, yeah, yeah, for sure, a TV show, a horror comic that maybe we'd never seen or read or heard about that you'd like us to take a look at, something, whatever, send it to us. Honestly, tweet, tweet us, email us, uh, we're on Facebook and all that. Discord stuff. us, join our Discord. Do all, yeah. If you're on the Discord, do that. But no, we're just mixing it up. We're trying to keep it fresh. We're having a little bit of fun with it. Taking a break from the standard, review a movie each episode for a little while. Not to say we're not going to do that on occasion still. It's going to happen. But, you know, we want to mix it up. We'll so, probably still watch old horror movies and talk about I them. I can <laughs> promise you that will happen. <laughs> yeah. One thing that I'm going to try and do with this, Tim, and, I, and I've been thinking about this a lot uh, for the last couple of years, and especially uh, recently, and I broke out of this shell for a while 
pre-pandemic. And I think I got back in the shell during the pandemic, largely in part because I wanted comfort food during that time. Yeah. The world was a very crazy, scary place, and I wanted my entertainment to feel uh, recognizable and enjoyable. So I just was watching a lot of the same shit I've watched, and I love that stuff, and I'll keep going back to it. But for a while there, before that, I was really... I was I was I was much more brave and bold like you are. Yeah. And I was watching new stuff. I was taking a chance on new things. And most of the time when I do that, I find I really enjoy it and it broadens and expands the the library of films that I like watching and mm-hmm. I like seeing. And I miss doing that and I don't do it as often anymore. I'm going to try two more now. Yeah. I think getting Shutter back is going to be helpful for that. Um I'm going to try to do that partially because Shudder's curated, so at least I know somebody has said, I like this movie. And it's not just like the Amazon Prime Horror section where it's like, God knows what I'm about to watch. Um, but I'm going to try and do more of that uh, and, and watch newer stuff and watch stuff I've never seen before. I, I'm sure you have suggestions for me. I, I've, I've checked out your honor rolls and stuff like that too because you got a lot of good stuff on there. Yeah, so. <laughs> Even those though, I mostly go off track. But what I'll say though is too is I like some of our some of my favorite episodes we've done recently to our well kind of like like the video store episode some of our side episodes yeah. where we focus on topic but also the, the stuff we've talked about like the newer like the, the scream movie the new scream movie and the new Halloween movie because we've spent the last like five or six years kind of studying old horror like yeah. we kind of know what we're talking about I hope <laughs> so, I hope yeah, yeah. But we might so, not come off that way I don't know we'll see <laughs> <yeah>. but, <laughs> but I think um, we we do bring some knowledge to a lot of these horror movies um that I think may, may be valuable for the, yeah. how how, uh, how how arrogant did that sound you're hey you're a real Elliot <laughs> right <laughs> we figured it out yeah we figured it out but no I I think so too and I'm excited for you to start watching that yeah that's kind of where I was going because I think I think we um we pro- provide some value <laughs> for, sure. Some ways, so. for sure so uh, yeah cool awesome all right perfect yeah so next time we'll be back talking about whatever we we want to talk about Darn you'll straight. find out what we do um thank you everybody for listening take care <laughs>